We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast welcome back to another episode of the pack a day podcast you can get all your pack a day updates by following us on twitter at pack a day podcast and remember you can always subscribe to the podcast on apple Podcasts, google play TuneIn, stitcher or spotify and of course you can go over and check us out at cheeseheadtv.com I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am joined by my co-hosts, Maggie Loney and Andrew Mertig. You guys, it's a Friday, so of course we're excited to be back together. How are you guys doing this week? Yeah, doing really good. It's the thick of the offseason, but I, I think we have a lot of exciting stuff to talk about today, so so we'll just get to, do, get to that. But how are you doing, Maggie? I'm good. I like that we do this on Fridays, because I don't think I'd have the same energy if it was like a Monday recording. I'd be kind of dragging. But yeah, I said it last week that, you know, I'm really enjoying these deeper dives into Green Bay's 2022 opponents, especially since we've got, thankfully, an uneventful offseason this year. So enjoying this series so far. Absolutely. We have tons of fun here on the Pack-A-Day podcast year-round, even in the roughest parts of the offseason when it feels like maybe nothing is happening. We have some fun anyway, but we've spent the last four weeks, you guys, looking at the Packers' 2022 opponents and their offseasons. We're trying to get an accurate feel for what these teams are going to look like when Green Bay sees them this season and how different they might even look a year right now, a year from what they were a year ago, right? We, we began with the NFC North, with the Lions, the Bears, the Vikings, and then we started at the top um, of the Packers 2022 schedule last week with deep dives into the Tampa Bay Bucks and the New England Patriots. And so today we're going to continue this process by putting two more 2022 opponents under the microscope. We've got the New York Giants and the New York Jets. It's going to be a fun one. Yeah, so let's get started with the Giants. They're obviously first on the schedule for the Packers of the two New York teams. Three, if you count Buffalo, but the two that we're talking about today. Um, But yeah, so their front office and coaching changes. Uh, Dave Gettleman retired, and the Giants found their new GM in Joe Shane. Hopefully, he can bring the franchise more success than Gettleman did with a record of 19-46 and in four seasons. 
Uh, head coach Joe Judge was also fired, so they cleaned house in New York. Former Bills offensive coordinator Brian Dabble took over as the new head coach, and he brought in Mike Kafka as the offensive coordinator, most recently the quarterback's coach in Kansas City, and then D.C. Don Marindale, who was the D.C. in Baltimore. Yeah, and so the the Giants clearly had no problem finding candidates as they went upstate to grab Shane and Dable from the Bills. But if they didn't have those candidates so close, they could have just used Indeed, the number one job sites worldwide, to find the perfect candidate. (laughs) I think that would have been great. Uh, So anyways, uh, I get to talk about free agency losses today. And uh, the Giants lost uh, Logan Ryan, the defensive back, who went to the Buccaneers, who we talked about last week in that series, kind of. Making that transition from corner to safety, uh, James Bradbury, the corner, ended up with the Eagles. He was, a, of course, a really big free agent signing from the Carolina Panthers a few years ago. Uh, safety Jabril Peppers, from the, uh, who ended up with the Patriots, of course, who came over in that trade for Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, tight end Evan Ingram goes to the Jaguars. Dante Pettis, the wide receiver, is gone. Edge Lorenzo Carter, guard Will Hernandez. Um, and then still some guys that are unsigned out there from the Giants. Tackle Nate Solder, tight end Kyle Rudolph, the defense tackle Danny Shelton, linebacker Reggie Raglan. So a lot of veterans seeing their way out as this team kind of transitions from a coach and GM trying to save their jobs to new guys coming in that want to build this this franchise in their image. So, you know, it was a clearinghouse of bad contracts. And then players, of course, as I just said, the new regime didn't think that they were, were going to fit into their scheme. So those three really expensive secondary players are gone. Logan Ryan, James Bradbury, Jabril Peppers. And then, you know, you, you take a look at their other losses. The ones that stuck out, stood out to me, Evan Ingram and Will Hernandez, I think those two go down as big draft disappointments. And so you see with the previous regime... Some, some struggles in, in some of their high draft picks and maybe not turning out as good as they hoped. Certainly not busts. I wouldn't use that word. But guys that didn't quite perform to what their draft status was. And so um, they are gone, as are their, their uh, coach and GM. Yeah, and maybe this isn't the most exciting of observations, but I think that tight end position for the Giants is really going to be an interesting one to watch. Andrew mentioned that Evan Ingram was a disappointment, could never really become that consistent weapon, right, that the team wanted him to be. And then, of course, the Giants moving on from Kyle Rudolph. It's another big move at tight end. The Giants have seven tight ends (laughs) competing to make this roster. Six of those seven are new to the Giants this offseason. So the Giants are going to look very different all over this roster, but especially at tight end. They'll probably feel that absence of Ingram and Rudolph, who played a combined 1,200 snaps for this New York team last year. I, I don't mean to just jump in, but when I think about Evan Ingram and his career trajectory, right, we know that tight ends typically take a little while to develop. Do you think Evan Ingram could have that kind of Eric Ebron, not just because both of their initials are E, but like that <laughs> uber athletic tight end who really was trying to figure it out in their first contract. Now Ingram goes to Jacksonville. He's going to be working with Trevor Lawrence and, of course, a Doug Peterson offense that really values tight ends. Do you think he could see a little bit of that, like maybe living up toward to, to what his draft stock actually was? It's really interesting because you talk about players. Sometimes there's that wishful thinking, right? Like you're like, OK. Sometimes we get to a place where, like, we've seen a player, this player is who he is. But it does kind of feel like Evan Ingram had some injuries early on, and then he got paired with some pub, subpar 
quarterback play and maybe just going to a place like Jacksonville where there aren't a ton of pass catchers there. You know, like talk about wide receivers. They've got a couple. They just paid a lot of money to, to one of them. But, I mean, he's going to have opportunity and maybe everything clicks there for him and be a lot of fun to see that happen. To me, this seems like the kind of player who, had he stuck around, potentially could have been a little bit more of that playmaker that the Giants would want, uh, you know, taking a look at what Buffalo has done with Dawson Knox, uh, sort of serving that role. But clearly they didn't value him enough to keep him around and, and Jacksonville was able to get uh, Ingram in free agency. It certainly could be one of those moves that you look back on a few years from now and it looks like a total steal for the Jacksonville Jaguars. But it does kind of feel like this Giants team is getting ready to gut this roster, really hit that reset button. Um, Ingram is a part of that. They let a lot of these other guys walk too. Maggie, I know that you were looking at their re-signings a little bit. Is there anybody of note that you uh, noted that they brought back this year? The answer is no. Um, so <laughs> wide receiver CJ Board came back. Uh, corner Jaron Williams, offensive tackle Corey Cunningham, and then running back Sandro Plotzgummer, who was born in Austria. Oh. And I had to go so far into a deep dive to find these names and these re-signings <laughs> that some of the players listed, including uh, Plotzgummer, aren't even listed on ESPN. They're not on the depth chart, and they have no official stats on Pro Football Reference. So definitely more um, camp bodies here and potential, like, really deep depth pieces, no significant re-signings in comparison to the more familiar, impactful names left on that unsigned list. But who are the uh, more impactful additions then that they made, Kyle? Platzgummer. That's that's <laughs> one of the, we joke about one of these days we're just gonna throw in a name that's not real just to see if anybody catches it, but um that would be the one that would get me for sure. <laughs> um but talk about some of these additions they did make. Um, some nice ones, right? They got guard Mark Glowinski from Indianapolis. Uh, Tyrod Taylor comes over from Houston, of course, the quarterback there that's going to at least begin as a backup there. We'll see how that goes. Guard Joe Feliciano from Buffalo. Defensive tackle Justin Ellis from Baltimore comes over. Defensive end Jihad Ward joins this team. Running back Matt Breida comes over too. And then we talked about a couple of the tight ends, right? So Jordan Akins comes in from Houston. Ricky Seals Jones is in Washington last year. Those guys are going to be competing to really be the lead tight end for this team. And then safety Henry Black, your Green Bay Packer, uh, also joins this team as well. Yeah, they definitely didn't break the bank on any one player, but I, I really liked what they did. They got some solid interior offensive linemen in Glowinski and Feliciano. Uh, Tyrod has proven he can be a veteran presence behind young quarterbacks. And if they're going to give Daniel Jones a fair shot, he needs that presence in, in the quarterback room. And I, I like the tight end duo. You know, Jordan Aikens, Ricky Seal Jones are both really athletic guys who provide a decent amount of upside in the passing game to help out Daniel Jones. So maybe together, collaboratively, they can make up that production that they're losing with Evan Ingram. And maybe they can just be a little bit, you know, be on the field a little bit more consistently. Yeah, so then they had what I thought was a pretty successful draft. Um, they had the first pick uh or the, their first selection, pick number five in the first round, Kayvon Thibodeau, edge out of Oregon. Uh, pick number seven, also in the first round, they took Evan Neal, the offensive tackle, out of Alabama. 
In the second round, they grabbed Wondale Robinson, the wide receiver out of Kentucky. Round three, they got Joshua Azidu, the offensive lineman out of North Carolina, and then Cordell Flott, a cornerback out of LSU. Fourth round, they picked up another tight end to compete in that room, Daniel Bellinger at San Diego State, and then uh, Dane Belton, the safety out of Iowa. Fifth round, they grabbed Micah McFadden, the linebacker out of Indiana. Uh, also, DJ Davidson, the defensive tackle out of Arizona State, and Marcus McKethan, offensive lineman out of North Carolina. And then in the the sixth round, which surprised me, Darian Beavers, linebacker out of Cincinnati. So I think the Giants, you know, knocked their first round out of the park, taking one of the best edge rushers in the class and then arguably the best tackle, depending on who you ask, uh, giving Daniel Jones or whoever is under center long term for them a cornerstone at one of the tackle spots. Looks like right tackle maybe right now. Um, for years to come. Wandale Robinson, I thought, was a fun gadget piece for the Dabble offense. A little redundant. Andrew, I know you're going to talk about that. Um, and then I was just shocked, honestly, that Beavers fell all the way to the sixth round, but a nice kind of depth draft for this new Giants front office. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think they played those first two picks really well. So, like, even though personally I was not as high in Kayvon Thibodeau, they got their edge rusher at five, so if that's what you wanted to do. And then you jump back and you get Evan Neal, who's probably their preferred tackle anyways at seven. So I, I think, you know, if they wanted to get out of there with a preferred edge rusher, preferred tackle, they did a perfect job of that. I don't love the rest of their draft. I think Wondell Robinson seems like the same player as what they expected Kadarius Tony to be. And you just invested a first-round pick in Tony, So, um, you know, I, they probably don't care because it wasn't like their pick. But I still would have a concern about the redundancy of those two players in the offense. I certainly do like Daniel Bellinger, and not just because he went to San Diego State University, but he he also is a really nice upside tight end who can learn behind Aikens and Seals Jones for a year. I think Dane Belton is a, a, an interesting safety prospect, uh, certainly an interesting developmental guy. And yeah, I know, Maggie, you really love Darian Beavers. I think in the sixth round, he's an absolute steal and uh, really am interested to see what he becomes in the NFL. So then that brings us to the question we have to ask about every team, every episode. Did the New York football Giants get better or worse? So the Giants offseason kind of feels a lot like the Bears to me, I guess, where the roster probably got worse in the short term. But that's kind of the point, right? They know that they aren't winning the next two years. This is a rebuild. So they're cutting the fat and they're starting over. So for 2022, this this team for this year is definitely a worse football team. I think we may see Tyrod a little sooner than people expect. Uh, but I think the organization is just going to be using... 2022 kind of as this bridge year where they're just evaluating who's going to be a part of this team going forward. And uh, just as kind of a crazy side note here, not really connected to anything we've talked about, but I think Kenny Galladay's 2022 season is going to be huge for this team because if he can rebound and become kind of that alpha X receiver, you already have guys like Tony and Wandale as your second and third options. Andrew talked about the redundancy, but as second and third options, like that is a good receiving core. This is a pretty fun group to drop a quarterback into potentially on offense. But if Galladay can't recover and if Tony busts, it's a totally different landscape on offense going forward. So I think this team is worse right now, but I think they could be a really fun team to watch this season to see what trajectory they're on and how far away they are to where they want to be. Yeah, and this is going to seem like a weird statement, but I think this is a team that took a step back from a talent standpoint, but I think they're a better team. Mm. Um, I, I think the pieces just fit together better because I know what, well, like I never know what the heck Dave Gettleman is doing ever. 
And at least this seems like a, a well-constructed roster, given all of the talent and resource restrictions that they had. I, I think really, really highly of Brian Daywell. And I, I think while the record will likely be bad, this is a team that could have that like 2021 Detroit Lions type of season where they make it really difficult on everybody they play and their young players get a lot of really valuable experience. Yeah, I think that's well said. I think, you know, worst team potentially this year as they go through the growing pains, but a better situation for them long term. Still plenty of question marks on that roster, of course, but I love the dabble hire and I think he's going to be capable of turning this franchise around. Um, It won't be instantaneous, of course, in the NFC East where there are clearly better teams. Uh, But I I do like the direction that the new front office is taking the Giants. And I think, you know, in a few years, potentially, depending on what happens at quarterback, we could be talking about this Giants team being capable of becoming a wildcard team. Okay, you guys, so that is the Giants. Let's go ahead and pivot. Let's stay close, though. Let's stay in New York and let's talk about the Jets a little bit here. And really, if we're just going to jump in and talk about all the moves that this team has made, they haven't made a lot of moves in the front office and in their coaching staff, right? Joe Douglas is back as the GM. Robert Sala is back as the head coach. Michael Floor still there. Jeff Albrich still there as the defensive coordinator. There were some assistant coaching changes. Some guys left for other gigs, uh, but not a lot of big changes on that coaching staff or in the front office. So lots of stability here for the Jets as they roll into the season. Yeah, and so then uh, in free agency, they did lose a few players. They lost tight end Tyler Croft. Uh, Safety Marcus May is probably the biggest name. He goes to the Saints. Uh, They did lose uh, wide receiver Keelan Cole and wide receiver Jamison Crowder, two guys who have been there for a few years. Um, And linebacker Jared Davis, who we talked about, went back to the Lions. Uh, Guard Greg Van Roten, of course, of Packers fame, uh, who was last uh, with the Jets, ended up on the Buffalo Bills. And then Morgan Moses leaves for the Baltimore Ravens. But still unsigned is Dr. Laurent DuVernay-Tardif. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Yeah, from a production standpoint, Morgan Moses might be the biggest loss here since he played 94% of uh, snaps for the offense in 2021. I think he started 16 of 17 games. But beyond that, nobody really jumped out to me as, you know, being a significant subtraction. Even as depth pieces, I think, like, none of these losses are going to be felt too, too much, especially when we look at the additions that the team made both in the draft and free agency. I think, you know, no no super uh, significant losses here. All right, so we always talk about the re-signings, teams' ability to retain their own talent. And with the Jets, there's nothing worth mentioning here. I mean, the tackle, Greg Sanat, and fullback Nick Bodden. If you knew who those guys were when I said those names, you get a gold star for today's episode. There really is nothing to talk about here. Um, I wish I could drum up something else. But, Maggie, do you have anything more exciting for us to talk about? Maybe some signings, uh, guys that they brought in that moved the needle a little bit more. Yeah, this is way more exciting than the Giants in-house re-signings that I had to talk about before. So <laughs> I really like the moves that the Jets made in free agency. They brought in um, guard Lagan Tomlinson from San Fran, uh, safety DJ Reed from Seattle, the tight ends uh, CJ Uzama from Cincy, and Tyler Conklin from Minnesota, safety Jordan Whitehead, who we talked about quite a bit last week of the Buccaneers, um, defensive end Solomon Thomas uh, from the Raiders, kicker Greg Zerline from Dallas, and then safety Marcel Harris from San Fran. So we talked last week, like I said, about Jordan Whitehead and, you know, how significant that loss was for Tampa. I think that's Robert Sala's gain, and he's going to be fantastic for the Jets defense. And then I also love the tight end tandem of Uzama and Conklin going into that that offense. Yeah, and as opposed to the Giants who are bargain shopping, the Jets certainly weren't afraid to spend money. Uh, Lakin Tomlinson gives them one of the better guards in the league and really helps to solidify that offensive line. Uh, as you talked about, C.J. Uzama and, and Tyler Conklin, I think, are going to make a really, really fun tight end duo. And we know Mike LaFleur is going to like that, given the Shanahan principles that he coaches with. And then Jordan Whitehead just steps into a full-time role on a Robert Solid defensive values defensive backs who can make plays. So I think he's going to be a really, really interesting chess piece in that, that Jets secondary. Okay, let's jump into the draft class for the New York Jets because it is a fun one, you guys. This They just... They nailed this. This is a great class. At uh, four overall, they got Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati. At 10, Garrett Wilson, the Ohio State uh, stud there. At defensive end, Jermaine Johnson falls to 26. Running back, Brees Hall, at uh, in the early second round, made that pick at running back. Tight end, Jeremy Ruckert. Offensive tackle, Max Mitchell. And defensive end, Michael Clemens out of Texas A&M to round this out. So like I said, love this draft class. I think they've got really impactful, talented players, but I also really think they got guys that can help you build a winning culture as well. So Sauce and Garrett Wilson could be home run picks. Jermaine Johnson, I mentioned, I mean, he's 
just a value pick at 26. I was kind of surprised the Packers didn't snatch him up when he fell. Uh, Brees Hall in the second round can be a focal point in this offense and take pressure off of Zach Wilson. And then Ruckert is he's kind of buried behind Uzama and Conklin. And this is an offense, though, that prioritizes the use of the tight end. So that's not going to be a problem. They're going to get him on the field. I really like this class from top to bottom. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it would be a stretch for me to say that the Jets potentially had my favorite 2022 draft class as far as balancing needs and also gaining high impact players. You know, they hit home runs with all three of their first round picks, and that can be hard to do when you have GMs, you know, when they start reaching for needs, which I don't think the Jets did here. They only had seven selections in the draft. All in the first four rounds, though, and those seven players all have a chance to see the field and be productive, not only in 2022, but like you said, Kyle, beyond uh, with the Jets, I think, for a long time. So I agree. They absolutely nailed this draft. Yeah, this draft class was so well run. It reminds me how easy it is to start, run, and grow your own business with Shopify. Like, woo, tungsten. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I love sauce Gardner, even if I think four was a little bit rich for me, I I wasn't as big of a fan of Garrett Wilson. Um, but you know, certainly I see what a lot of people liked about him. Jermaine Johnson could end up being the steal of the draft. Brees Hall is well, (laughs) let's just say not my type of player, but you can take a swing at running backs at the top around too, when you had this many picks and and this many values in, in the first round Ruckert and Mitchell are nice developmental prospects. So yeah, I think this is a really nice draft class. I'm certainly not as high on it as most people are, but I think the Jets have an opportunity to get, you know, three or four really highly quality starters out of a draft, which would be a massive, massive hit for them. All right. So Andrew's just begging to do live reads on, on this podcast. <laughs> so we're going to have to hook him yes, up please. at some point in the future so he doesn't have to make up his own. Um, but he's given a lot of credit to the sponsors. We appreciate them, of course. But uh, the question is now here, guys. We, we've got to talk about it. Did the Jets get better or worse over the course of this offseason? The Jets got better, and it's unfortunate that they're playing in the AFC East where the Bills are a Super Bowl favorite and both the Patriots and the Dolphins at this point have wild card potential because I think the Jets honestly could have that same potential. I don't want to predict that the Jets team is going to have that Bengals-like turnaround this season, but I think fans should be excited about the direction that the franchise is heading. You've got a young quarterback. He's going into his second season. He's feeling supported with the weapons he's got around him. He's got a great head coach, a really solid coaching staff. The front office knocked their draft out of the park. Um, So it's hard not to root for this team going into the season. Um, thinking that maybe they can figure things out and be competitive after kind of being bullied around the NFC or the AFC for a very long time. Yeah. And I said, I really liked what the giants had done and sort of starting that, that first step towards creating your plan. I think the jets are in year two of that. And, and you can see that taking form right in front of you. I think Joe Douglas and Robert Sala have really good vision of what this team is going to be and whether or not it is successful, I guess we'll see, but this is going to be a much better team surrounding Zach Wilson. And I think that's what we were hoping to see when we evaluated Chicago, right? How do you support your young investment at quarterback? You create a really strong offensive line. You get him two nice targets at tight end. You get a wide receiver at pick 10. And then you just continue to invest in a running game with Brees Hall to add to Michael Carter. Do I think this defense is going to take a huge step forward? No, maybe not. But I mean, they have two really nice prospects in Sauce Gardner and Jermaine Johnson to add to what they already have. 
but the offense certainly has taken that step forward. So like to answer the question, yes, I think they're better. Um, and, and I think we could start to see this team develop into somebody that can, can make a little bit of a run. Yeah, I completely agree. And Andrew really took the words right out of my mouth. I love what they did to support uh, Zach Wilson here. And you talked about that defense may not get a lot better. And that's the same thing we talked about with Chicago when we talked about them. But at least in New York, Wilson is going to have the pieces around him to try to make those comebacks where I just don't know that the offense in Chicago is going to be good enough for for fields to try that same thing. So love what they've done here. Zach Wilson is set up for success and they have given him the tools that he needs uh, to make that jump in year two and put this team on his back. We don't know if he can do that. We don't know if he's capable of that, uh, but I love what this team has done to set him up. And the arrow is certainly pointing up in New York. And I think Zach Wilson has got to be pretty excited headed into the second season. Yeah, so the Packers play the two New York teams back-to-back. First in week five, you get the New York Giants in London, uh, while the Packers are technically the home team (laughs) uh, on October 9th, which will be at 8.30 a.m. Central, 6.30 Pacific, so I have that to look (laughs) forward to. And then week six, the New York Jets at Lambeau Field. That's an October 16th noon kickoff. Um, so that those should be two pretty exciting games against two still developing rosters. But, I, you know, I think the Packers, while they will be favored, certainly will will have a, a challenge with two two teams that they don't see super frequently. Um, but that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packer Day Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Punnett. You can find Maggie at Maggie J. Loney. And you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. You can catch Kyle, Maggie, and myself every single Friday. Next week, we'll be back breaking down more of the Packers' 2022 opponents. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember...